Jesus made his way to Gethsemane. And is there we see a different picture of Jesus than we see in the rest of the Gospels. For everywhere else we see a strong man, steadfast, stalwart, son of God. But here we see someone who is vulnerable. Someone desperate for the prayers of his disciples. Someone so anxiety-ridden that he is sweating, sweating drops as of blood. Offering an agonizing prayer to the Father that if there be any other way than his sacrifice for our salvation, bring that way forth. Jesus lived his entire life under the cross. He continually talked about the sacrificial atonement that he would make as he would give his life. And yet he was always confident and strong. But now in the garden, what was so different? He must have been experiencing something different than he had ever experienced before. It must have been that he was now fully facing the whole weight, completely understanding what he would have to endure for us. We've all heard volunteers say, If I'd only known what this was going to take, I wouldn't have volunteered for it. They kept going because slowly and gradually the burdens of what they volunteered for were unveiled and so they made it to the end. That is not the way Jesus was going to go to the cross. If he was to volunteer, if he was to be a sacrifice, he had to fully understand, completely count the cost of what he was going to endure. And so I believe that's what was happening in Gethsemane. He counted the cost and he cried out if there was any other way. But ultimately, after counting the cost, he said, Not my will, but your will be done, Father. We will never have any sense of what Jesus Christ faced on the cross. We can only touch the surface of it. But perhaps we can at least touch the surface when we look at one of his cries from the cross. As Matthew 27 reads, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Darkness would fall during three hours of Jesus' time on the cross. I remember seeing that darkness depicted in the movie Ben-Hur and other movies. And as I saw that, I was thinking that 
God was showing his judgment upon those who were crucifying Christ, his displeasure on what they were doing to the Son of God. But I came to realize the darkness was not there because of the sin of the people. The darkness was there to display the wrath of God being poured out on Jesus. He who was the light of the world was encompassed in the gravest darkness so that he could shine light into our lives. John says he was the light of the world and the darkness could not overcome him. But at that moment, under the judgment of God, he was completely encompassed in that darkness. His words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Anyone who knew the scripture at that time, who was open to what Jesus was experiencing, would recognize that those are the first words of Psalm 22 that were just read to us. That it would bring them back to that psalm and they would realize that what the psalmist talked about, Jesus was experiencing in every detail. The psalmist had just tasted the judgment of God, but Jesus was experiencing it fully, the abandonment of his friends and his father. Look at what he was facing. The psalmist says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You are so far from saving me from the words of my groaning. He was abandoned by God so that we could be brought into relationship with God. He said, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. Jesus was despised. He was abhorred by the very people he created and gave life to. He took that so we who deserve the scorn could be treasured by the Creator Himself. And the psalmist said, All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let Him deliver Him. Let Him rescue Him, for He delights in Him. And truly, we see those words were literally spoken at the foot of the cross. He was mocked as a fraud so that we can be honored even though we are sinners. I am poured out like water. All of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breath. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircled me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. What a perfect description of the physical anguish that Jesus went through on the cross. 
written 500 years before crucifixion was used as a form of punishment. Because God knew what Jesus was going through. He was tortured, he was torn, and he was crucified under the wrath of unjust judgment so that we could be freed from the wrath of God. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. He was humiliated and disgraced in death so that we could be lifted up and glorified in eternity. When Jesus said, my God, my God, it's the first time in all of Scripture that Jesus addressed the sovereign Lord as God. Everywhere else, he speaks so intimately, Father. But here, the intimacy of son with father had been broken. And he stood not as a son with a father, but as a man condemned before the judge of heaven and earth. You see, the son had a love relationship with the father from all eternity. It was the very essence of their existence together, this intimacy. John described it as Jesus being in the bosom of the father. The only people you would take to your bosom are those you are closest with and one with. That Jesus was not only taken to the bosom of the Father, he was in the bosom of the Father. Always there. In fact, that love relationship was the reason he created. He created us to experience that love. It was so great, so deep, so wide. But now it was broken, it was severed. No longer Father, but my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Jesus knew the answer to that. He was forsaken because it was our sin that was placed on him. Jesus felt the guilt and the weight of all the sins of the world, all the past sins, every present sin, every future sin. Bishop Fulton Sheen Uh, depicts it in this way. The sin of Adam was there when as the head of humanity he lost for all men the heritage of God's grace. Cain was there, purple in the sheet of his brother's blood. The abominations of Sodom and Gomorrah were there. The forgetfulness of his own people who fell down before false gods was there. The coarseness of the pagans who had rebelled even against natural law was there. 
All sins were there. Sins committed in the country that were made all nature blush. Sins committed in the city. Sins in the city's fetid atmosphere of sin. Sins of the young for whom the tender heart of Christ was pierced. Sins of the old who should have passed the age of sinning. Sins committed in the darkness where it was thought the eyes of God could not pierce. Sins committed in the light that were made even in the wicked would make even the wicked shudder. Sins too awful to be mentioned. Sins so terrible to name. Sin, sin, sin. Once this pure, sinless mind of our Savior had brought all the iniquity of the past upon his soul as if it were his own, he now reached into the future. He saw that his coming into the world with the intent to save men would intensify the hatred of some against God. He saw the betrayals of the future Judases, the sins of heresy, the sins of those who drive God's ambassadors from the earth. He saw the lies and slanders, adulteries, murders, apostasies. All these crimes were thrust into his hands as if he had committed them. Evil lay upon his heart as if he had given birth to it. Lies and schemes rested on his mind as if he had conceived them. Blasphemies seemed to be on his lips as if he had spoken them. From the north, south, east, and west, the foul miasma of the world's sin rushed upon him like a flood. Samson-like, he reached up and pulled the whole guilt of the world upon himself as if he were guilty. And so he looked at the present sins of those around him. He didn't deserve this judgment. It was those who cried, crucify him, crucify him. It was the religious leaders who had given an unjust trial. It was the Romans who were carrying out the punishment. Disciples who abandoned him. It's you and me. It's we who deserve this judgment. But Jesus, Samson-like, took it upon his shoulders and died for us. Jesus saw all of it before he experienced it. And he said, not my will, but thy will be done.